You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 161 and it is another Friday episode. My name is Clark from 5 Card Guys on Instagram and 5cardguys.com. Co-hosting with me as usual is Hyung of Integrity Sports Cards and John who is Trade You at Recess. Okay, off the top, the bleeding continues at Panini with the news this week that Panini has reportedly lost its license with the WWE for breach of contract with two plus years left on the contract. Panini, just for some context, Panini has refuted the allegation that they failed to produce, quote, physical trading card games and digital trading cards, end quote, which was apparently the reason for the breach of contract. And Panini has since sued WWE to try to prevent them from losing that WWE license. Darren Ravel also tweeted that Fanatics, which had a deal with WWE starting in 2026, they're expected to get the rights immediately if this countersuit or if this suit by Panini isn't successful. So initial thoughts on all of this. We, I feel like we're talking about Panini every other week now. Um, and, and, you know, I can't help but think, is this now really the beginning of the end for Panini? What do you guys think? So was, was this, uh, it was because they didn't make the trading card games that they were supposed so, to? Yes, that's what I believe but to understand, yeah. From my understanding, they tripled they tripled that business. What do like you mean? Um, uh, Panini did. Mm. Basically in terms of the revenue that they were doing with WWE before. It's right. uh yeah. it's three times as much as what Tops was doing. But it's interesting. I mean, is it calculated? <laughs> Seems like it, <laughs> right. right? Like mm. uh, find a way. And then Panini's suing WWE too, right? Yeah, that's what so, I mentioned. So uh, apparently there's like $5.6 million of royalties that's owed to, uh, yes. I guess it would be WWE for yep. the last two years or last year in, in sales, right? Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, I mean, yeah, it seems like it might be Panini's, you know, dagger, I guess. Um, <laughs> but it's, mm-hmm. it's a tough situation for Panini, definitely. I mean, uh, I think... One, uh, standing from like a hobby standpoint, I think the Prism brand was pretty strong in WWE, which is unfortunate. I think a lot of people aren't happy with with the news in general, but, you know, it was inevitable. Um, You know, uh, Fanatics penetrating the market there. You know, Ruben's known to be savage when it comes to business and, you know, doing things calculated and strategic to to basically, you know, get what he wants at the end of the day. Right. So. Yeah, I just uh, I just think it's not a good situation for sure for for Panini. They're running out of options here, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate. I I don't know why why didn't Panini make those trading games like why give a reason to I guess right. That's I don't know. That's a but good at question. the same time, if you tripled the revenue, you know, yeah. shouldn't that make up for any loss? So it's just finding a reason to. To kind of say, okay, how can we end this deal sooner than Seems later? 
and yeah, get yeah. the Fanatics on board because Fanatics, Fanatics does have a lot of, I guess, uh, leverage because they've always done the licensing and apparel and stuff mm-hmm. like that, the other side of the business. So it just makes sense that they're literally bullying and kind of penetrating the market the way, you know, um, a monopoly does. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I think yeah, crazy. I think this is uh, about to spell the end of Panini in sports cards. Um, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, similar thing happened with the NFLPA, right? It was basically cut, mm. terminated, effective immediately, right? I don't think they they uh, reported what it was exactly, but you know, some breach of contract, some something very similar, right? Yeah, and I mean, yep. You know, this is just completely my opinion, but uh, kind of similar to what Hyung was saying. I think, I feel like, you know, I feel like Fanatics made a play at Panini a little while ago. You know how it, it seemed like it was very close. Like some people were reporting how the Fanatics website right, right, looked right. like the Panini's website, et cetera, et cetera. It was about to be a minute, imminent. Sports card investor was all these murmurs saying like uh, at the national, like it was, it was pretty much imminent. It was going to happen. And for me, I I, yeah. I feel like, you know, the uh, Panini might have tried to strong arm or tried to be stubborn about it. This is again just completely being speculative, <laughs> right? And Fanatics was like, you know what? All right, you want to play hardball? Here we go. You know, and and this is all just legal legal posturing. I think it's not a question of what didn't Panini mm. do or why did Panini do this and they breached con. No, I don't think that's it. I think Fanatics found loopholes and soft areas to press buttons to pretty much force their way into panini and to just like to just end them and then force a buyout at some point get them cheap on the dollar like i feel like that's something that's what's happening here um because otherwise it, it a lot of it doesn't make any sense because obviously from panini's camp they're they're pretty much saying like we did absolutely nothing wrong we're gonna counter sue and Fanatics got they got yeah. way too much money. They're just gonna at this point I think they're just gonna stomp on Panini, which is which is a little sad, but you know. I'm sure at some point the trading card business will be sold. Yeah, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised. And everything you mentioned, very, very plausible, I think, from um from like you said, everything we've heard in the hobby over the last several months, right? right? Um and you know, like it's it's funny because I'm looking at other social media accounts and seeing what their reaction is to this news. I think I, I think it's a great curator um, who mentioned, you know, he's not, I guess, overly happy with Panini losing their license because he really wanted to see National Treasures wrestling um, cards, like high end wrestling cards. That would have been sweet, I'm sure, for wrestling card collectors. Right. So yeah, I guess unless they already made it. And they're going to release it. Apparently, that's something that Panini, Darren Ravel also reported that they're also releasing product anyways. They're, um, they're still selling, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's like, awesome. You know what? Yeah. So they're just like, oh, we're going to get, sell and make whatever money we can until until we absolutely can't, I guess. But but yeah, it's it's a crazy story. And we'll see, um, we'll see how things play out. And I'm sure we'll hear more in the very near future. Okay, so for this episode's Friday discussion, uh, I actually wanted to talk about players to to pivot a bit. Players from small market teams and purely from an investment perspective, okay? I'm not talking about 
superstars and generational players like Connor McDavid playing in Edmonton or Patrick Mahomes playing in Kansas City, right? But think players who are expected to have great careers or even hot prospects right now proving their worth in these small, smaller cities. Are they still worth the investment or do you think it's risky because since they play for a small market team, it caps their value because the fan base isn't as large to create sufficient demand for their rookie cards. I guess that's what the thinking is, right? And we always say, you know, when we do these pick ones, one of the one of the negative factors is if they do play for a small market team, you know, that 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 kind of plays into how we choose what cards we like to invest, right? So um, I wanted to ask you guys, and before you answer, think of a player like Corbin Carroll. This is why I came out with the idea. Corbin Carroll, he became the first rookie to hit 25 home runs and steal 50 bases, which is an amazing achievement. But will playing in Arizona cap his long-term value, even if he keeps up this pace for a good chunk of his career? What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> Does it make <laughs> sense? No. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I also believe in, and we're all believers in this, is you know, buy what you love, you know, because things can sway, markets can sway. And I think uh, to the point you were making earlier about um, small market teams, I think that was more relevant in the past. I think it's starting to change, especially mm. with, with the internet. You look at every small market team in, let's just say, MLB. They're, they're not small market. Like Padres 10 years ago used to be a small market team. Right. You know, they're dropping $300 million contracts on Tatis, Bogarts, you know, Soto, yeah. like it, the list goes on, right? So I think, and there's a huge collectability with, within those guys, even though San Diego was considered a small market team before, right? So, yeah. and even, even then, you know, you don't, you really only have Padres fans in San Diego. So, uh, for me, I think, uh, long term, I think there's going to be, great opportunities now because people uh, think that way. I think in the past too, you've seen how small market teams affect prices like Nolan Arenado, for instance. Guy was a legend in Colorado, still is a legend, going to be a Hall of Famer, absolutely no love. He started getting more love when he came over to uh, St. Louis um, a little bit, but even then you see it. uh, You could either see uh, Arenado as a good buying opportunity right now as a whole uh, mm-hmm. When you're looking at it from a year to year perspective, right? So it all depends, I think, one, um, like w- what game are you playing? Are you still playing the flip game? Or are you playing, you know, more of the long term game? Do you believe in Corbin Carroll itself? Like you mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned, but I, I know in the notes you mentioned Jordan Lawler. He's a guy that I'm right. actually looking forward to. Like he's, he's a type of guy that I think could be a really uh, likable superstar, kind of like an A Rod type. Um, yeah. you know, caliber, a, a taller, bigger shortstop. Uh, but, uh, I don't think it should limit him from playing on Arizona, for instance, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, especially, um, baseball now. Like, now that we have the internet, I think, uh, a lot more people are moving out of it. And, um, with the exception of probably Colorado and Minnesota, uh, I think for the most part, everything's fair game, especially, yeah. you know, you never know with Bowman Chrome prospects either, right? So Ethan Salas is the number one chase in 2023 Bowman Chrome right now. You know, right. he's on San Diego, right? So, um, he's gonna, uh, he, and he's even a catcher, right? So mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's bringing in 
a lot more attention nowadays. Uh, the market is different, I think. The way people purchase are different. So I think there's still uh, opportunity in guys like that. I, I just think Corbin Carroll type players or any, like, like we talk about on this pod, uh, they carry a significant premium just because they're the chase in the, in the current set, right? So there's, there's that factor in where, hey, he might be priced even high, high at this point compared to other rookies or other, um, you know, superstar like type players, um, that have, you know, three, four years like Bo Bichette, you know, guys like, guys like that. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a a little more. It's not as simple as you would think. I think on uh, when you look at the question, it feels very simple, but I, I I feel like it can go a bit deeper. And I say that because the short end of it doesn't make doesn't affect the player's value um, and perhaps long term. I yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Corbin Carroll on Arizona versus if he was on the Yankees, I'm sure there'd be a, a massive price difference. Mm. Um, but in terms of the you know, I don't think you should be people should be carried away too much about small market because winning changes everything, <laughs> right? Even if you think of think about hockey, sure. like I think it's not necessarily about the market. Maybe f- specifically for certain, you know, like New York Yankees, there there are certain markets that are 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 very unique and specific and and big right. co- quote unquote big market, but. I think winning changes everything. And I think it's more about branding, like the marketing aspect of mm. an NHL club yeah, or a baseball yeah. club. And, and for example, like, you know, the longest time, um, Tampa Bay Lightning, they were new, newer to the NHL, like first 10, 15 years of their existence. They had Vinny LeCavalier. Uh, they went to the finals. Did they, did they win? I think they won. Um, but yeah. you know, they were, bottom dwellers for the longest time and now in the last 10 years they become uh they're not they're, you know they're not considered a big market team but they're a powerhouse and people view them as a powerhouse and, mm-hmm. and people like to watch them same with colorado avalanche right so i think winning changes the marketing of a certain team and you know that's something that shouldn't be overlooked when you think about small markets because small markets could be just as exciting as a big market las vegas Knights, etc sure. etc right yeah that's you know Again, good points. And for me, honestly, it's just a factor. I think you guys kind of alluded to it. Small market, like when I try to decide who I want to invest in more mid to long term, it's just a factor. Right. Like, like, um, and I, I also think it depends on the player. Like when you're talking about like marketing the team, is the player himself marketable? Like is the league invested in this player being the face of the league, regardless of what team he plays for, right? And does this player have a personality that can carry himself, like you know, in in a smaller market and a bigger market, you know? And and I think, I think you know, like Corbin Carroll is a great player, but you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy, <laughs> but and I, I don't know in terms of marketability if you know he's he's uh, um like in your face and kind of you know that kind of player maybe that kind of impacts his overall value long term right so um you know i'd rather probably invest in jordan lawler he seems to be a more outgoing guy extroverted and and he's also a big time this is kind of a side note i just read an article where corbin carroll jordan lawler and evan longoria who all play for the diamondbacks are big time collectors now so they they hit up like card shops where whenever they go to like a you know different city 
to play. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, so, you know, small market teams, uh, it's just a factor, but I thought it was interesting because, you know, Corbin Carroll's having an amazing season. And, um, you know, one other thing is that you never know if they get traded, right? Like that's something you can't predict, but just say, just say Carroll did get traded to Yankees as an example, then that kind of, you know, that plays into, plays into it. Right. So, uh, to close off this segment, I want to also like name a few other players from different sports and you tell me if you would invest in them based on our conversation about them playing in small market teams. Okay. Like how good you feel about investing in them all right so let's start with baseball bobby wood jr playing for the kansas city royals what do you guys think Mm. so i you know i'm a huge fan of bobby wood jr i think he's a stud his numbers are proving it this year he's having a great season he's going to be a 30 30 guy as well potentially you know better in the future right like i think he's still young him and j-rod are you know kind of like uh came up in the same class and uh, there was massive, massive hype around them and massive, massive chases. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's the key is Bobby Witt, no matter how good he plays, he was still, his prices were still astronomical from the mm-hmm. get-go that they're, you're still, no matter what he does, he, his prices are going to continue to correct. And I think um, that's fair to say. So I think, I, I like Bobby Witt Jr. I think he's a good investment long-term, but... I still think the time isn't now uh, to buy. Okay. Yeah, I will agree. I'm going to say, I mean, I'm only excited about Bobby Witt because of how much you guys are high on him. So I'm like, yeah, 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 he's, he's amazing. Um, but I think yeah. time is not, you know, like, we. I mean, we have been saying this forever. It's that the sort of the one to three hype window, uh, three-year hype window, like he's still in it. And I, for me, like kind of going back to the whole small market thing, I think even if you're on a small market team, that one to three window, if you're a hyped prospect and you're, you're killing it, I think your, your pricing and, and the excitement about the player will go up regardless of whatever team you're on. Um, but mm-hmm. Clark, you made a good point about, uh, trading. Uh, that's something to watch out for, right? Like if, if once you get past mm-hmm. the one to three year window, uh, and you're in years three, four, you know, four, five, six, and pricing starts to level out and correct and, and come down. Uh, it is something to watch to see if some, like a team like Kansas City is continually a loser or continually losing. Uh, you can probably be assured that a, a big time player like Bobby Witt could get traded just exact same way that Juan Soto got traded out of Washington Nationals, right? So that is something to watch. Like, I, you know, we talked about winning creates a certain marketing brand, but losing on the other hand, in terms of investment, I think um, it's something to pay attention to and uh, and wait on because I think some good players could eventually, I mean, you know, move. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Bobby Witt, but I think the city for me in this case matters. <laughs> Not just in KC, but... Like, remember when they won the World Series? I was just checking it up in 2015. Like, I do not remember anyone on that team other than Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez. Perez. <laughs> other than Sal, yeah, exactly. Because he was on my fantasy baseball team, like, year <laughs> after year. Just the most reliable, played almost 160 Shoot, games I, as a catcher. I forgot that you, no one I does that, that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they, were, they, I mean? they, they were good that year, yeah. yeah. 
they were yeah. amazing and all i uh, honestly what i remember the most is them the sports guys interviewing paul rudd because he's from Can- <laughs> because he's from kansas city and he was at the world series game you know what i mean so like yes winning kind of helps with card value if you're the main guy but even then like i i maybe it's because sal was a catcher but like if even if the Royals change change things around quickly, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, you know how how much of a factor will Bobby Wood play? And I don't know if that will impact his value. So I'm great for PC if you're into Bobby Wood Jr. He's a big time collector as well, so I like that about Bobby Wood. But um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay off him for now. Okay, uh, hockey. We talked about this last episode, John, you and I, Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota. What do you guys think? I'm just looking. Uh, uh, what's his uh, young guns pricing like now? It's probably like yeah. You could go ahead, John. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I mean, uh, Kaprizov. Uh, I, I I mentioned this last time. I think he's still in that hype bubble. Um, so right now is not the time. Yeah. Hockey is a little different because superstars. You know, baseball and basketball stud franchise players move around like it's nothing. Uh, hockey, it's not <laughs> not as much. You know, and Kaprizov mm, is in, right. you know, I, I took a, a couple of digs at Minnesota last week, the Minnesota Wild. But I mean, they're playing, <laughs> right. they're playing way different than their, you know, their image was in the past. They're exciting hockey. Like they got some big time studs. I think Matt Boldy is a big time prospect and he's breaking out and he's probably going to break mm. out even more this year. Um, so I could see Kaprizov. I, I don't know if he signed a long term contract, but he's most likely going to sign one of these like eight year 60 you know eight year 81 million or whatever the, the 10 million dollar per year contract is um i could see him signing that so well just to update you on the fly he has signed a five-year 45 million contract oh yeah there you go with okay the so he did sign yeah so hockey is a little different where yeah. like the studs don't really move around so i don't think it's something where you can rely on trades it's a little different but mm-hmm. uh yeah i will say Bottom line, now is not the time, but I think years four or five, if Kaprizov continues to be a stud, which it should be expected, I think this guy should be like a 90-plus point getter every year. Um, yeah, there will be time to get him later on if you're big on him, like long term, but right now is not the time. Okay. So I just uh, checked his young guns out. It's actually 175 bucks for a PSA 10. Wow, okay. So The young guns. Definitely... Yeah, the younger. I mean, it's not a future watch auto or anything like that. But um, yeah, I think I think at these prices, like there could be opportunity. Like just because I think those young guns fluctuate, we've seen it with guys that have, um, I guess, uh, uh, three four years in the league. You, you like what John was talking about. There, there has to be a little more time. Look at pricing. Um, you know, you had like the Austin Matthews and. You know the the Connor McDavid, you know that that are the kind of like the standard of the young guns, which are in the thousands, right? So I think there are, are buying opportunities, but again, it's it's still early. I think, especially yeah. with hockey, it could sit sideways for for the next two three years, right? And you've seen that kind of with like Mitch Marner a bit, I would say, and Mitch Marner's couple couple years in uh, ahead of uh, uh, Kaprizov, so. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um for me with hockey it's like the Canadian market 
I think you mentioned this too, John, right? The Canadian market, especially if they play for Toronto, is really what um, elevates the base price of a lot of these players. And, and you know, Kaprizov obviously isn't the number one target for Leafs fans or any Canadian hockey fans. So I think right now it seems inflated. I just looked at the Future Watch Auto selling anywhere from 850 to 1000 which seems pricey for me. And then you compare that to Mitch Marner, who plays for a big Toronto hockey market, and his regularly goes for about a thousand bucks as well and and arguably you know they're pretty close i guess but yeah so yeah i think they're pretty close i think i'm yeah right so in terms of talent and points production but um but yeah i'm i'm gonna stay away for unless the young guns that i didn't know was that that sounds pretty cheap it's pretty cheap i think just in general where you might be able to double up there if 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 he Ends up I make that a play. Hot season, yeah. yeah, yeah. I will make the young guns play, but not the future watch auto play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two more. Uh, football. Jordan Love in Green Bay. Oh man. Do you think Jordan Love has to essentially play like Aaron Rodgers for his value to to um, to go up in a small market team like Green Bay? For sure, I think I think his his uh, hype kind of died down. Like I was yeah. on that train uh, a year ago or a couple years ago. And that's when you've seen some, you know, positive action in his market. But I think these guys are all like, and usually Patrick Mahomes becomes the flagship because there's nothing other than a modern cards that you could follow of trajectory because Brady's on a different course. Everybody's right. trying to compare whoever to Brady. Mahomes comes probably the, the closest there. But then after that, it's, you know, you, you could take the next quarterback, you know, and everybody's trying to, you know, um, you know, find out who the next Mahomes is. And then you have the whole hype with, you know, Josh Allen, Burroughs, like all these younger quarterbacks, Trey Lance, like all these guys that are, and, and people are chasing, right? So that's what you're essentially going to get with Jordan Love is, is the volatility. But I think it's, it's not, um, yeah, he's going to have to win. Aaron Rodgers yeah. won, yes. right? So yeah. that's, and even then Aaron Rodgers, you know, gets no love. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Yeah. Green Bay, uh, you know, small, quote unquote, small market, but at NFL, Green Bay is an iconic franchise. Sure. And the quarterback position is even more of an iconic position within Green Bay. Um, right. You know, similar, similar to New England, like anybody who pops into that quarterback position is going to be highly scrutinized. Mm. Right. And, and good and bad. Like there could be a lot of hype. There could, so I think Jordan Love, his cards are clearly taking uh, a bit of flight because of that, because of the hype, Green Bay quarterback, high exposure. Um, and it really comes down to whether you believe Jordan Love is a legitimate star quarterback in the league. And I think most people probably don't, if we're being honest, right? So if, if, you're, if you have Jordan Love cards, I think it's a great time to take advantage of the volatility because I personally, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him being like a stud quarterback. Um, and if you're thinking about buying Jordan Love cards right now, I would I would say no. But yeah, what do we know about NFL? <laughs> <laughs> Green Bay is going all the way this year. Yeah, watch, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get like four or five touchdowns per game, become MVP. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, but I will echo your sentiment about the quarterback position in football, just ha- being having an outsized influence on like hobby values hobby card values so if green bay can win 
then I think Jordan Love, you know, presumably will be a big part of that, and his cards will also spike. But the big question is, um, can Green Bay win? And from what I'm looking at in terms of researching how the teams will fare this year, KC I think is probably up there. Philadelphia Eagles, Niners, but yeah, you don't see anyone really talking about Green Bay making a Super Bowl run this year. So, so I'm I'm staying off Jordan Love for that reason. Okay, lastly for basketball, I chose um, a Canadian player. Uh, Six letters, all right? You decipher this. S-G-A-O-K-C. <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander playing for Oklahoma City. What do you guys think? And don't let your Canadian biases influence your uh, analysis. <laughs> yeah, I think he's... Uh, we talked about this on, on the previous episode. He might be a buy now. You know, his... And this is a perfect example. Small, small market team that, you know, I think uh, has huge upside in terms of his talent. Um, so I think there's opportunity there because some of his stuff is pretty cheap. And the way the market looks like with, especially basketball, you have your, uh, I picture it as like a, uh, a, a balloon set up to like sail up, upwards to the air. So you have your national treasures and flawless that, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be your first to, to come up first to go down. And then everything else follows, uh, depending on kind of desirability and right. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity with with SGA and not his expensive stuff. Not I think his flawless NT are kind of outpriced. They're 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 really expensive. Then you got all these other lower buying opportunities that haven't like taken off yet. Uh, so I think there are good buying periods uh, for SGA in that sense. I think he's a type of player that you could potentially you know just sit on and enjoy kind of his career and see what he does. And uh, this is a perfect example of a small market team, someone who could, uh, you know, um, you know, still produce and still, I think, find value in the hobby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I think you guys okay. are gonna know um, what I, I'm gonna say. Uh, I, but before I say that, I don't think SJ's. I mean, almost any card basketball right now is the right time to buy because it is preseason. Like we're about to go into the season. Um, so you're most likely, whatever you grab now is most likely going to be 10, 20% cheaper in a couple of months. So I would, so that's a a little bit of a caveat, but with that being said, I think this year is a good time to finally dig into some Shea Gilgis Alexander, because I think he's getting the exposure in terms of being regarded as one of the top NBA players in the league. I think he's, he's starting to get that recognition and OKC, I mean, they're on the up and up. I think they're going to be one of these exciting new franchise, small market teams on the up and up. They still have, I don't know, a gazillion first round picks that they can use at their disposal right. to bring on some big veterans or whatever they want to do. I think they that GM has an incredible amount of assets that he can do to maneuver mm-hmm. and put this team in a position to win either immediately or a giant sustainable long run. So I think OKC should be a team and SGA should be a player that uh, you uh, people should be excited about. Yeah, agreed. I'm not going to belabor the point. Um, I'm all in on SGA. If I see a good deal, I want one. <laughs> and then, um, you know, like it's, it's, I listen to other sports podcasts hmm. and 
it's funny how more and more people are talking about SGA as like a top five guy now. Mm. Like you know, and there you go, and you know he's he's on his way up in terms of like pe- like analysts, just you know, especially with the FIBA tournament recently, right. like just showcasing his talents even even more right. so, right? Like the best player on the court anytime he plays, essentially Clutch shots. So yeah. I, all all of the above, exactly, yeah. exactly. I think that the fact that he plays for OKC. Um, if it does at all lower the value, I think in this case, it's it's a benefit for people that just believe in SGA, right? So um, I would take advantage of that if you see, you know, um, um, pricing where it's, it seems like a good value. So it might also be our Canadian influence, <laughs> probably a little bit of that. <laughs> people, people listening, it's like, oh, it's because they're Canadians. That might be partially true, but doesn't mean we don't like SGA. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks again to all our listeners for tuning in to our Friday edition of Cards to the Moon. We'll have a brand new episode this coming Tuesday. We'll see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards or John at Trade You at Recess. You can also check us out at fivecartguys.com. Thanks again and hope to connect soon.